I'm going to get ready to do something that I don't think I've ever done before from the pulpit, so I'm really pumped up about it. Um, and so I want to share a little bit about what we're going to do for the next few weeks. But I was reading the book of Ephesians. Has anybody read the book of Ephesians? That's an amazing book, right? And I just felt like the Lord wanted to do a little, like kind of move a little bit slower. And we're gonna, what we're going to do over the next six, five to six Wednesdays is we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians. Is that cool? It's going to be good. We're, I mean, we're going to read the whole thing. We're going to go line by line, and we're going to dissect the Word of God. We're going to jump in. And I'm re- honestly really excited about it. It's going to be really fun. And so if you're interested in really, like, really, really getting an A-plus and being an A-plus-plus student, read, read Ephesians with us. And next time you come to church, you'll have Ephesians chapter 2 read. But today, we're going to go over Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. So do me, do me a favor, if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull your Bible out because you're not going to be flipping through a lot of different places. It's just going to be right there in one page, so it might be worth grabbing your, your paper Bible and bringing it. Um, and if you don't have it, obviously you can use your, your phone as well. But before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of outline about the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to talk about a little bit of the details surrounding this, this book to give us some context. Um, as we jump into this as well. We're going to talk specifically about the book of Ephesians, but I encourage you to be not just a reader of the Word of God, but a student of the Word of God. And so when you open up the Bible in the morning to read or whatever time you read the Word, figure things out like this. Ask these type of questions. Who wrote this book that I'm reading? Who was it sent to? Who was it meant for? What was the context in that day? See, a lot of these questions, what it will do is it will shine light on um, just a deeper revelation in, in the word and explain what's going on. So the book of Ephesians was written by Paul the Apostle, and it was written to the Ephesians, um, the church at Ephesus, but it also, a lot of scholars believe that it wasn't just specifically to that one church in Ephesus. You know, Paul writes a lot of letters, and they're specifically designed for one church. And it's easy to see that because a lot of Paul's letters, there are responses to questions in there, right? And so Paul gets these questions and he writes these letters and he says, do this, don't do this. It looks a lot of like he does this in in, in the Corinthian letters, that he answers a lot of specific questions. But in the book of Ephesians, we don't see necessarily specific questions or topics brought up. And so scholars believe that it was written to the church of Ephesians, but also to all of the churches in Asia Minor where Ephesians Uh, Ephesus was located. But um, the book of Ephesians was a prison epistle. Paul wrote that book while he was in prison. It's one of four prison epistles. Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon were also written by Paul in prison. And the city of of Ephesus had a very diverse culture. So I want to just take a look briefly about the city of Ephesus because it's important to wrap our mind around the people there. I think think that this is going to be enlightening to us. And so One thing to know, it was the largest Roman city in Asia Minor. So in that side, that part of the world, Ephesus was the largest city. So we're we're talking like big city, right? We're talking big city. They they believe that there was about about a population when Paul was alive, a population of about two hundred and fifty thousand people in that city. And it's not super big compared to our standards, but back in the day, that's a that's a big time city, right? Is actually, in fact, the third largest city in the entire Roman Empire. And so when we begin to wrap our mind about just Ephesus and what it looked like as a city, uh, 
for us, a lot of times, we have, to, we have to think about our big cities, right? You think of New York, Los Angeles. This was kind of one of those cities compared to that time in space in the world. And so what you have is you have a ton of commerce. You have a lot of business. You also have a lot of different ethnicities, which means you have a lot of different religions. And so there was a lot of outside pressure at, coming at the church of Ephesus from all different types of belief systems, all different gods, all different cultures. And so Paul really, as he's writing this book, not just to this one church, but to all of, the, all of Asia Minor, he's really encouraging these believers. And, he's, and this book is written to encourage and remind the church of who they are. It's almost like this North Star, as, as Paul's writing. He's saying, hey, listen, I know, you're, I know you're inundated with a lot of different things, but don't forget who you are as the church of the living God. And as I really wrap my mind around this, I think it, it, it speaks well to where we're at today. You know, we, we don't maybe not, don't live in a big city. Cleveland's not the biggest city, but, you know, your phone, everybody grab your phone. That is the inundation of a big city, that you are connected with billions of people on this planet at any time. You can get information, you can give information. And so just like Ephesus in this time, we are inundated with a lot of garbage. Amen? And so just as Paul's writing this letter to the church, I think that he's indirectly writing it to us to remind us who we are. So we don't get distracted, we don't get unfocused, but we're able to fix our eyes on Jesus and know who he has created us to be. So here's the idea for today before we pray. The idea is this. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Can we say that together? Let's read that together. Come on. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Come on, say amen if you believe that. Amen. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for our time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the word of God to lead us, to guide us, to correct us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, to be our guiding light, our north star. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, right now, according to your word that we're about to read in a second, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that you would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room, that we can see you, that we can know you, and that we can be changed by you. We love you and we bless you. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. amen. So Ephesians chapter one, verse one, we're gonna start from verse one and we're gonna go all the way through all six chapters and read, read all of it. Are you guys excited about this? I'm excited about it. I don't think I've ever, I don't know, I haven't been excited to preach something in a long time and I feel like, man, I'm ready for this. This is cool. But Ephesians chapter one, verse one, this is kind of like the greeting. You know, Paul's just kind of greeting, greeting the church here. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and, the, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Paul starts off, remember, he, remember what he's trying to do here. He's trying to remind this church of who they are. He's trying to shake up maybe their distraction, maybe they're, they're leading to other religions or other methods, and he's saying, listen, no, 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 you don't have to go anywhere else because you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing you will ever need. You don't have to run to the world. You don't have to run to this thing, that thing. Everything you need has already been given to you. This is what Paul's introducing this letter by. He says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in 
Christ. Now we're going to jump into some of the spiritual blessings. Amen? But he goes on to say this in verse 4. Just as he chose us, everyone say he chose us. Can I tell you something? You have been chosen by God. You have been handpicked by God. You've been, uh, you've been appointed and chosen and, and picked out of a crowd. Paul says, listen, that's one of the spiritual blessings. He, you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption. Everyone say adoption. Not only have you been chosen, but you have been adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So you have been chosen, wait, go back, you have been chosen, you have been adopted, and you have been accepted. Come on, that's some good news tonight, right? Paul says, listen, you're not sitting in these seats by accident. The Bible says, before the foundations of this world were laid, God had you on his mind, he picked you, he adopted you, and he accepted you. That means this, that we don't have to strive, we don't have to work, we don't have to try to obtain something. You have been accepted already by the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's powerful. I know we all know this, but a lot of times we need to hear this. We need to be reminded that it's not about what I do, it's about who I am. That before I even had a chance to take a breath, he already loved me. He already chose me. He already adopted me. He already accepted me. That means this, there's there's nothing you did to earn it, there's nothing you can do to to lose it. And if you can't do anything to lose it, then you can't do anything to keep it. He loves you before you were even born. Amen? Verse 7, he goes on to say this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and and prudence. Having made known to us, watch this, this is so cool. Having made known to us the mystery, everyone say mystery. The mystery of his will. Now I I wanna touch on this for a second because I think it's worth going here. Paul often writes about this mystery. Has anybody seen Paul talk about this? This great mystery of God. What is this mystery of God? Here's the cool thing. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 27, Paul actually reveals what this mystery is. A lot of scholars believe that the book of Colossians is kind of a a sister book to the book of Ephesians. They're very similar in how Paul writes and what he talks about. And similarly, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes about this mystery. He says this, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And then here it is. He opens the lid to the mystery. This is the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow. This is the great mystery that Paul carries with him. And I know you might be sitting there and saying, hey, I knew Christ was in me. That's not surprising. But let's put ourselves back in that day, right? Because if you're in the nation of Israel, you're an Israelite, you understand that God's presence, he chose you as a people, and his desire is to rest and dwell among the children of Israel. Come on, all through the Old Testament, we see God even walking with them through the desert, through the wilderness. His desire is to be with his people. 
Even, even as, he, as, David, as Solomon erects this temple, the presence of the Lord fills this temple and, and they go to this place to worship him and they, they interact with God and it's a beautiful thing. But what Paul's trying to get across to these individuals is this, God doesn't just wanna live with you He doesn't want to be near you. The great mystery is this, that Christ wants to dwell inside of you. And this is the beautiful revelation, and I believe that God has had this set up from the very beginning, that just being next to you isn't even close enough for God. He wants to be on the inside of you. He wants to dwell in you, in your heart. But it goes one step further because it's not just for the Jewish people. This is what this was Paul's assignment. Paul was assigned to the Gentiles and so he unpacks this great mystery that was very very controversial in that day. That great mystery was this that the Holy Spirit that Jesus that God himself didn't just dwell with the Israelite people anymore. He wanted to in fact dwell inside of every Gentile. This was a groundbreaking message that Paul was preaching. And so when he says, listen, this is the great mystery of the gospel, that God from the beginning of time didn't just choose to dwell with a specific people group. He did choose the nation of Israel, and those are his special people, but he in fact wants to dwell inside of you. Come on, is that some good news tonight? It is the mystery of the gospel that God wants to take up residence inside of us. We continue reading in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. It says this, And that the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in, in, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in, on earth in him. This is the destiny that we have, church, that, that even, like watch this, even now as Jesus died on the cross and this great mystery is revealed where Christ doesn't want to just live with us, but he wants to live in us and in every Gentile, that it goes a step further because what we experience and feel here on this earth is only a glimpse of what is to come when we get to heaven. You know, Pastor Troy preached a beautiful message on this Saturday or Sunday, and if you didn't get a chance to, to listen to it, you should go back and listen to it. It's powerful about the redemption of the bride of Christ coming together. But this is our ultimate goal, that one day Christ is going to bring all things together as one in himself, so that we're not just here on earth feeling glimpses of this great mystery of Jesus inside of us, but one day when we get to meet him, we will be made one with him. See, the, the, the great mystery that Paul is unpacking here isn't even in its fullness right now. It hasn't even come to fruition. We get to experience glimpses of this. But one day, Christ is going to return and he's going to gather up his bride and he is going to become one with his bride. That's the fullness of this great mystery that God, God had, would, had been separated from his people. He sent his son to redeem them and one day he's gonna send his son to collect his people, amen? Man, that's powerful. I'm excited for that. Let's go on to Ephesians chapter, 11, verse, or chapter one, verse 11. It says this, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. We have an, obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12 says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Man, church, we have obtained in Christ an inheritance. Come on, say inheritance one more time. 
We have obtained an inheritance. And, I, and I, I've noticed a lot, because this is what happens when, when a new year comes around. Everybody has a prophetic word for the year, and they're going to tell you what God's going to do in 2023, and I believe it, and I, I'm like, I'm so about it. I feel like the Lord has given me words for this year. But one thing that has, and I want to share it with you, because it used to make me mad. It doesn't make me mad anymore, but it makes me sad. Because what I've heard a lot of recently in the last few weeks is that, that, is that in 2023, God is going to make your name great. And that's good. That's, I, I believe that's true. In 2023, God is going to bless your business, and he's going to make you wealthy, and he's going he's to pour out all these blessings on you. And I believe all of that. I truly do. But what saddens me at this point is that so many Christians are missing out on what the truth of our inheritance is. Because the fullness of your inheritance is not just to make more money. The fullness of your inheritance is not just to have a good life here. Those things are true, but this is what I equate it to. I equate it to, to playing in the kid pool. When I take my daughter and my son to the, to the public pool in the summer, they have this little, little kid pool that's only about three inches deep, and they play and they have a great time. And that's where a lot of Christians hang out. They hang out in this very shallow end of the pool where we, we just want more stuff from God. We want to be blessed. We want to have more money and cars and all this stuff, but we don't understand the fullness of our inheritance is just a little bit deeper. And when we go a little bit deeper, we understand that our inheritance isn't a monster monetary blessing. Watch this. Our inheritance is found in verse 12. It says that we should, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. That is our inheritance. That is our destiny that we set our lives up as, as this ability to praise his glory. That is who we will be one day in heaven. We will have nothing else to do but to praise him. And that is the fullness of our inheritance. We get to love the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me tell you this. Your inheritance is not a dollar sign. It's not a thriving business. It's not a miracle. It's not any of that. Your inheritance is him. Your blessing is is him. Your destiny is him. And as Christians, if we can get out of this little baby pool and dive into the depth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we'll realize that our life is not about making us feel better or us more money. Our life is about knowing him and experiencing the power of Jesus Christ. See, it used to make me mad and upset when preachers would miss this, but now it makes me sad it genuinely saddens me that there's, there's a number of Christians on this planet who will never experience Jesus that way. They will only experience what Jesus has in his hand. And I love what Pastor Monica prayed just a few moments ago. She said, listen, I love what's in your hand, Jesus, but we want you. We want you. We want to experience you. And this church is our inheritance. It's him. And when we find him, yeah, we get everything that's in his hand too. We get all of that. But man, what you'll soon realize is that when you find him, it's so much better than anything that he has in his hand. It satisfies and fulfills so much more than any money could, any job position could, any blessing could ever satisfy when you find Jesus. And this is what Paul's trying to explain to the church in Ephesus here. And he goes on to say this in verse 13, in him you also trusted, everyone say trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, watch this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Wow. This is so beautiful. In verse 14, Paul goes on to tell, tell them this. Don't forget, the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We see that phrase again. Remember, that's our inheritance, to praise his glory, to magnify his name. And what Paul's reminding them, he's saying this, listen, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that promise. You know, sometimes if you go to the bank and you ask for a loan, what they'll ask you is for collateral, right? And so what happens is you have to bring some collateral to the bank and you say, here are the keys to my car. If I don't pay my loan, take my car or take my house or take my boat, you know, or take my dog, whatever your collateral is. But this is, this is kind of a similar verbiage that Paul uses. He says, listen, Jesus, Jesus gave us collateral, and that collateral guarantees, and it's the symbol, it's the seal of our sonship and daughtership. The Holy Spirit is not just here to help you. He's not just here to comfort you. He's not just here to guide you. He does all of those things, and he does them very well. But he is also here to be the guarantee of the reality that one day we will be with Jesus. One day we will be with him because our spirit identifies with the spirit of the living God and it guarantees our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is here to give us a glimpse of what one day we will be the fullness of. Because the spirit of God inside of us allows us and enables us right now in this moment to praise the glory of God, to praise his glory. And it's only a fraction of what we'll one day get to do, church. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is here so we can experience that now. Just as we give collateral and then we one day pay our debt, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit as collateral and he'll one day return to get us. How beautiful is that? That's amazing. In verse 15, it goes on, he goes on to say this, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, did not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So what is Paul praying? He's praying for the church at Ephesus, and he prays something very specific. And this is a prayer that I pray every single time I preach. You might have, you might have heard it or noticed it earlier, but every time I preach, I ask that the Lord would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, what a word, man. What a phrase. The Father of glory. He is the Father of glory. That means this, that Jesus is glory. And God is the Father of glory. May give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Man, this is a powerful, powerful tool that we get to operate in and function as, as Christians. And, and this is what I want us to understand is that wisdom and revelation exist to reveal Jesus. It exists in us to reveal Jesus. There's, an, a, there's a beautiful example of how this plays out in the Bible where Jesus asks his disciples and says, hey, who do men say that I am? You remember this question? And all of his, all of his disciples start just spitting out secondhand knowledge. Oh, well, I heard that somebody thinks you're Elijah or I heard that somebody thinks you're this or I heard that somebody is saying this. And then Peter experiences this moment of wisdom and revelation where he didn't hear somebody say this, but it was revealed to him that you are the Christ. You are Jesus. You are the Messiah. This is what wisdom and revelation looks like. It's not secondhand knowledge. It's not, oh, I heard pastor say this or I heard, I heard my friend say this or I, I saw a post about this. And, and those are great 
great. We can receive revelation that way. But there is a, there's, a, there's a place as a believer that we can get to where we grab hold of wisdom and revelation and the Holy Spirit reveals to us the knowledge of Jesus. That it happens when you're sitting in your car, you're sitting in your living room, you're, you're at, a, at, a, at a sporting game, whatever the case is, these moments where the Holy Spirit deposits this in your spirit. And you didn't hear this from somebody, but you were leaning into the voice of the Lord and he gave you wisdom and revelation. You know, oftentimes if you're like me, you ask for wisdom and revelation when you're dealing with difficult situations or circumstances, or maybe you need it on the job or whatever the case is. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is faithful to bring us wisdom and revelation in that, but do not get it twisted. Wisdom and revelation exist so that you may know who Jesus is. You may know who Jesus is. You know, there's so many Christians that, that they come to church and they hear pastors preach and, you know, they, they go through the motions and it's good. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to do that. But if you have not received wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit yourself, you're missing out on a very critical part of your Christianity. You have to be a Christian who not only shows up to church, who not only worships and prays and, and reads your Bible, but you experience the wisdom and revelation that comes from the Lord. It's a powerful, powerful conviction in your heart. Because here's the problem. If, you only, if your faith is built off of what I say, it's gonna be, it could be broken very quickly. Because you haven't heard from the Lord. You haven't heard from the Lord for, your, for yourself. You've only heard from Dominic. You've only heard from Pastor Troy. You've only heard from, from all of these people and you have secondhand knowledge of who he is. And so as a Christian, what you have to do is you have to seek out wisdom and revelation every single day and you have to know God for yourself because everything I say could be proven wrong. You can prove me wrong. You can argue. You can, you, like if I fall, if I make a mistake, I'll fail you. Like your faith can't be built on a person. It has to be built on this, this wisdom and revelation that says this. I don't care what anybody says. I've seen Jesus. I've heard from him. He has spoken to me in the midnight hour when I was praying and interceding and I was in my own prayer closet without anybody around. I heard his voice speak to my heart. So you can't tell me anything different. This isn't a message I watched on YouTube. This is, this is a download from the Heavenly Father that has spoken directly to me. And if you desire that, and if you, if you don't have it, or maybe you had it and you lost it, or if you had these experiences, but if you want that, this is a powerful prayer to pray every single day. Just open up the word and say, God, would you bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this place right now? And when you invite the Holy Spirit in that way, man, he'll begin to open things up to you. That you're not just reading words on a page, but you're, you're listening to the God Almighty download these secrets of heaven into your heart. So I want to encourage you to adopt that prayer. Every time you open your Bible, every time you drive in your car, every time you spend time with Jesus, say, Holy Spirit, bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this place right now. And I guarantee you'll begin to hear the voice of the Lord. It's going to be powerful. We'll go on to verse 18. It says this in verse 18, in the eyes of of your understanding, the other word that's used there for understanding is your heart. That the eyes of your heart being enlightened. See, this comes right off the heels of obtaining wisdom and revelation. This is the result of obtaining wisdom and revelation. When you get these downloads from heaven, what happens is the eyes of your heart are being enlightened. And this is the end goal, right? Because God... <clears throat> God doesn't tell you really cool things so that you can post them on Facebook and get a lot of likes. 
God doesn't give you these revelations so that you can impress your friends. This is the goal. This is the reason for wisdom and revelation right here. It's given to us so that we can be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? This is why wisdom and revelation exist, so that we may know him better, so that we may know who Jesus is, so that we may know what his calling on our life is, what his desires are, what he likes, what he doesn't like, that we may know every aspect of him. Church, who wants to know the hope, the riches, the exceeding great power of God? Come on, do you want to hear me talk about it or do you want to hear God talk about it? Well, do you want to hear a pastor try to tell you about the exceeding riches and glory and goodness of God? Or do you want God to begin to unwrap himself to you and say, this is who I am. This is what I've constructed. This is who I've called you to be. This is, this is my glory. Just as Moses said to God, God, would you show me your glory in Exodus 33? This is the prayer. This is the desire that I want you to have to, to, to not be satisfied with this moment on Wednesday night but to wake up on Thursday morning and say, man, with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, overwhelm me so that I can know you, Jesus. This is what Paul's encouraging them to do. And then Paul concludes the first chapter of Ephesians, and I love it. He says, he reminds us, and he points to a little bit of, of what he's experienced about through wisdom and revelation. He kind of reveals to them, this is kind of the result. This is what happens. You begin to know who Jesus is. And then he says, let me tell you who I know Jesus to be. He says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that in that which is to come. In verse 22, he says this, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness. Everybody say fullness. The fullness of him who fills all in all. And that's Ephesians chapter one. All that in Ephesians chapter one. Oh my goodness, man. That's some powerful stuff. And here's, here's the reality. This is what I want us to know. If you can go back and put that idea up on the screen. This is, this is what I want us to walk away with today. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. As we look at our relationship with the Lord, as we look at, as we look at our faith, it's, it's, more than just, it's more than just a ticket to heaven. It's more than just like, oh, I don't have to go to hell now. It's I have been given every spiritual blessing that not only do I experience this great mystery that Paul talked about where I get to have Christ in me, but I get to have Christ in me reveal who he is. I get to know, like really know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I get to know intimately the person of Jesus every single day. And this is what Paul's trying to drive home to the church at Ephesus. He's saying, listen, guys, don't get distracted. Don't get unfocused. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Focus on Jesus because when you embrace the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your life, you actually get to know who God is. And what a privilege that is. Not just to be known by God. That's a privilege in and of itself. But what a privilege is it is 
to be able to know God. Would you stand with me tonight as we close church? Well, let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come in right now into this place as we end this service. Come on, I just want you to invite the spirit of wisdom and revelation into your life. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for all of the incredible leadership that we have in our life, our pastors, teachers, our friends. We thank you for all the incredible resources that exist through books and podcasts and YouTube videos. And we get so much knowledge, so much secondhand knowledge of who you are. But it's not enough, Jesus. We don't want to build our faith, our life on what somebody else knows to be true about you. We want to know you. And just as Moses prayed in Exodus 33 that he would be able to see your face, our desire, our prayer rings true today, Jesus, that we want to see you. Would you bring in the spirit of wisdom and revelation into our life so that we may know who you are? We will see the hope of your calling, the riches of your goodness, your glory, Jesus that we can see every aspect of you, that you would reveal yourself to us in the same way you revealed yourself to Peter so many years ago. Let us know you, Jesus. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be so thick on our lives that, that it would interrupt common moments. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying now that that if you truly desire it, he wants to interrupt your dishwashing time. <laughs> he wants to download while you're lounging around the house or while you're at work, or while you're interacting with your kids. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that he's activating this wisdom and revelation that, that you're gonna begin to hear not a person, not a, not, not, a, not a revelation someone else had, but you're gonna be able to hear the voice of God speaking to your heart describing himself to you. God, what a privilege and an honor it is not only to be known by you, but to know you. What right do we have? We don't deserve to know the living God. We don't deserve to know the one who hung the stars in the sky, who created the foundations and laid the earth before we even existed. Why do we deserve to know you, Jesus? Who is man that you're even mindful of us? But your desire is to be known by us. You want us to know you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to us? We want to know you intimately, Jesus. Let's sing this out together as we close. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Yeah. Spirit of revelation, open my heart. Yes, Jesus. Come on, Spirit of wisdom, make this prayer in your prayer tonight. Open my eyes, open my heart. Spirit of revelation, open my heart. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes. Yes, Holy Spirit. Spirit.
spirit of revelation open my heart because I want to see you it's our one desire Jesus because I want to see you see you rightly Jesus I want to see you because I want to see you. We want to know you. Would you open our eyes, open our heart. Let us know you deeply and intimately, Jesus. We love you. We bless your holy name. You know, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never given your heart to him. Maybe you're watching online and you've never given your heart to him. I want to invite you not to be prayed with by anyone, but I want to invite you to come to the altar and, and meet Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to come into your life and invite him into your heart, not just to be your Savior, but your Lord, your Master, your Redeemer, your Guide. And if you're here tonight and you need prayer, you need a miracle in your life, you need anything at all, we already talked about this. We serve a good God, and he, he gives these wonderful things to his children. If you're here tonight and you just want to get closer to Jesus, we're just going to open the altars and, and give some time for some prayer and some reflection. But my prayer and my desire is that this heart, this posture doesn't just stay in this room. Like, I, I want you to wake up tomorrow morning saying, Holy Spirit, reveal, reveal, open my eyes, open my heart. Every single day, let's get out of the shallow end of the pool. And as a church, let's jump into the depth of what God has for us. Amen. Church, I love you very much. And we'll let you know when we're going to hop into Ephesians chapter 2. I'm really excited to get through this book. Love you. Live right. Love everyone. Pray hard. The altars are open. We're going to stay in this moment of worship if you want to worship with us. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.